welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, September 10th, and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike, preaching from Deuteronomy 5, 1 through 7, a message titled, The Ten Commandments, An Invitation to Relationship. begin a new series with you this morning on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are found in the Old Testament in two different places, and we're going to look at the list that is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. I invite you to join me there. Cecil B. DeMille said that the Ten Commandments are the charter and guide of human liberty. For without, for there can be no liberty, he said, without the law. The Ten Commandments have been the basis for Jewish thought and society for almost 3,500 years. The law, or the Ten Commandments particularly, along with the principles of the New Testament, form the Judeo-Christian ethic, which has been the foundation of Western civilization. And so the impact of the Ten Commandments in our world has been... Uh, amazing and we never need to get away from the basic commands of God that he's given us so I want to go through this series with you in the next several weeks and look at each commandment and today we'll begin with the the first commandment in your notes that you have and the answers will be up on the screen I want to share with you in the, in the introduction uh, reasons why we would want to study the ten commandments and the first one is because of the Commandments impact. As I already said, it has impacted the world in a great way and continues to do so. Uh, Our 26th president, Theodore Roosevelt, said the nation should be ruled by the Ten Commandments. And that, uh, I believe, is true today as well. So the impact is seen in our country In our nation's capital, the Ten Commandments are represented in multiple buildings uh, in the city, particularly the Supreme Court building. Uh, There, uh, the the Ten Commandments are found, and Moses is found, depicted in several different places. Our forefathers knew the importance of basing law upon God's law. And so if you've been there and visited that building, you, you saw that the Ten Commandments were represented on the actual doors that goes into the chamber of the Supreme Court. The two tablets there are engraved in the the wooden doors. Inside the chamber itself, above the justice seats, uh, there is a picture of several philosophers and lawgivers, and Moses is prominent in that depiction. On the east side of the building, facing the Holy Land, you find uh, three lawgivers and the one that is in the middle is Moses and he's holding the Ten Commandments. He is given a place of priority 
And that is when how the thought in our country has been regarded, regarding the Ten Commandments, and it should still be that way today because of the great impact that it has had on our land and on our world. But secondly, I would say we need to study the Ten Commandments because of uh, the instruction that we receive there. We learn about God's ways. And God has made it simple for us. He's boiled it down to ten, and even those ten can be boiled down to two. All of the commandments of God can be boiled down to, number one, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. But even as simple as the commandments are, we cannot keep them. We have broken every one of them. And so the instruction from the Ten Commandments is that it leads us to grace. It leads us to be aware that we cannot measure up to God's laws. We cannot earn our own salvation. We must come to God by grace through faith. This was the whole purpose of the law. Paul made that clear in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3. He said, but the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor, our schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So there's an instruction in the Ten Commandments that leads us to Christ, that leads us to grace by faith in Him. And once we come to Him by grace, then we have His Spirit living within us. He writes His law in our hearts. And now, and only now, once we've been born again, can we actually follow the commandments. We still won't be perfect. And we're not following the commandments to try to keep our salvation But we have here in the Ten Commandments God's ways that he reveals to us. And by God's Spirit, we can walk in obedience. And the more that we do that, the more we become like the Lord. And the more we become like him, the more we're blessed. That's why the Ten Commandments are still important. There is an impact. There is an instruction. And then I want you to notice as we get into the the first commandment today, I want you to notice how there is an invitation. There's actually an invitation here for each of the commandments. And for the first one, there's an invitation to relationship. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses says this in verse 5. He says, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up to the mountain." He said, God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That's an invitation to relationship. God's inviting us to come to him, to know him as the one true God. And what I want you to see here is that The first thing God said when he gave the Ten Commandments was not a thou shalt not or thou shalt. The first thing he said was, here's who I am. 
Before he gets to the commandments, he makes a confession. He confesses who he is and what he's about, how he thinks, how he lives. And, and he says, I am the God who's brought you out. Now here's the way I live. And here's the way I want you to live. And so it was an invitation to become like Him. The only way we can become like Him is by grace through faith. It's through the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. But once we are there, and God wants us to live as He lives. That's why the Ten Commandments are still applicable to us today. Each one of these commandments, and we'll see this through the series, are repeated in the New Testament. And whatever is repeated in the New Testament from the law is still to be observed by us today as Christians. So the first commandment, verse 7, is that we shall have no other gods before him. In other words, that means he must be first and foremost in our lives. What does that mean? I have three points in the outline, and again, the answers will be up on the screen for you if you're keeping notes. Number one, it means that the one true God is exclusive in our life. He's the only one. Have no other gods. What other gods can we have in our life? Well, a lot of them. We can let money become a god. We can let possessions become a god in our life. We can let people become little gods in our life. Whatever you put in front of God becomes the God in your life. We can even place ourselves in front of God. And through our own desires and our own plans, our own wants, we can actually place ourselves in front of God and become our own God. In this spirit... Satan tempted Christ. He tried to tempt Christ in the wilderness to put himself and to put Satan in front of God. The Bible says there in the temptations that he carried the Lord to an exceedingly high mountain to where you could see all the glories, uh, all the kingdoms of the world in all of their glory. And then Satan said this. He said, if you will bow down to me, he's talking to Jesus, the creator of all those kingdoms and all the glory. He said, if you will bow down to me and worship me, then I'll give you all of this. Now it was a, on its face it was a ludicrous statement to make. But it was a temptation. Satan was trying to get Christ to shortcut his path. And bypass the cross. To go a different way. And the Lord's response to him. Was the first commandment. That he repeats in the New Testament. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 4 verse 10. The Lord said. You shall worship the Lord your God. And him only shall you serve. So there's one place where. The first commandment's repeated in the New Testament. Another place is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, where it says, and Paul speaking, he says, As there are many gods on earth, yet for us there is one God. So no other gods. 
No one else first and foremost in our life other than him. It means the second thing. It also means the one true God is exalted above all else in our life. He's exalted above all other powers. This word God is Elohim, and it means powerful one or mighty one. And so when he says you, have, you shall have no other Elohim beside me, he was saying no other person or other being is to be elevated or exalted in power in your life above me. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, the Lord is called the blessed and only potentate, the powerful one. He is the only one who is exalted above all other powers. He's also exalted above all other persons. Jesus put it this way as he was talking about those who would follow him in discipleship. He said in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, and by that he was not saying, unless you act ugly towards your parents, you can't follow me. No, it was a comparative statement he's making here. He was saying, unless you love me more than your father or your mother, or your brother or your sister, or anyone else, he said, you cannot follow me. Why? Because he's got to be first. He's first and foremost. No one's exalted above him. He has first place and he alone, above every other person in our life. The only way we can truly put family where they need to be is that we put God first. We put them second and God first. You see, if we try to put family first, we try to just really do everything for them because we love them so much, and that's the temptation that we all have. If we put them first, we're not really putting them first. Because if we put them first and leave God second, we'll not be loving our family with God's love. We'll love them with a human and a secular, worldly type love. You leave God out, that's all you have left. And if we love our family with worldly love, that love is never, ever enough. That's the world's type of love. It runs out, it falls by the wayside, it eventually puts self first. And so if you want to really bless your family and love your family, you've got to put them second to the Lord and then love them with God's love. So he's exalted above every person, every power, and all priorities. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek the first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, the materials, the meals, the money, all these other things, he says, will be added to you in proper balance. But any priority that is put as a higher priority than our relationship with God, it causes us to sin. So this is the first commandment, making God first and foremost. He's exclusive. He is exalted in our life above all else. And then I would say it this way, it also means that he is the end of all in our life. He's the beginning and the end and everything in between. He is our goal. He is what life is all about. And I think that's what's communicated in this first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. He makes it about relationship. And I think that's important to note. 
Here's a proper balance between relationship and rules. When you think about the Ten Commandments, what do you think about? You think about thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. All these rules. And there is a lot of rules. But here, the first commandment's not about a rule per se. It's about relationship. And the Lord is striking the proper balance here. In all of our lives, in our family, in our church, in our workplace, there needs to be a healthy balance between relationship and rules. And the Ten Commandments strike that healthy balance. The Lord leads with relationship because He knows unless He is in place, first place in our life, we're not going to be able to do the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. He's first. And that means He is our goal. He is the end of everything in our life. He's what it's all about. He was trying to teach Abraham this in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, Abraham had been in the promised land for 10 years at this point. He was led to the promised land when he was 75. How would you like to start out on your life journey at 75? And it was a big step of faith. He was told to get out of his country and go to a land where God would show him. He didn't know where he was going, but he took his family and he began to, to walk and move in a direction, and God confirmed that. And when he, uh, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, when he set foot under the, uh, the big terebinth tree, the oak tree in Shechem, God said, this is it. You're here. This is where I want you to be. This is the land I'm going to give you. And I'm going to give you descendants. You're going to have a son. And I'm going to make out of you a, a, a mighty nation. Great nation. Wonderful promise. And Abraham was 75 years old. And year after year it would go by and no son came. Year after year God would kind of show up in various ways. And Abraham, I imagine, thought just like you and I would think. Okay, I guess this is it. God's showing up. It's about to happen. We're ready, God. We're not getting any younger. He turned 80. He turned 85. He was 85 in Genesis chapter 15. And imagine at that point, he's wondering, Lord, I'm, I'm looking at my end. <laughs> the end's coming. Where's the promise? Where's the son? And God shows up. And here's what God said. God said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am. I am your reward, and I am your shield. I am the one who will protect you and provide for you. And he was teaching him the first commandment. He was saying, I am the one who will be your everything. I am the one who is more to you than a son, who is more than you to you than a promise, more to you than a certain age. I am the one who can do all things and is everything for everyone. I am. And he was teaching him the first commandment. Before Abraham was ready to have a son, he had to have God first and foremost in his life. He was teaching him the first commandment. He was saying, make me your goal. And it was even another 15 years or so before 
Abraham would hold that baby in his hands. He had to learn the lesson. God was his goal in life. I wonder, is that true of you? Is that true of me? Is God our goal? On our journey, as we are trying to accomplish certain things and trying to get somewhere, and all the while we got the end in mind and in sight, we're looking at that end coming. And we're looking at it and we're working and we're planning and we're praying. And all of that is God our goal. We can arrive at a certain place and even arrive at a certain level, station of life that others will look at and say, that's a success. But if we leave God out, He's not our goal, we haven't really arrived where we need to be. One day this whole world and this whole system is going to be taken away. And all that's going to be left is God and His kingdom. God's going to be our goal. And there we're going to realize that He truly is not only our promise, He's our provision. He is the one that we're after. And once we have him, we have everything else that we need. But it begins with a decision, a surrender to say, Lord, I will exalt you in my life. You'll be the only God in my life. You'll be everything to me. And while I may not have what everybody else has, if I have you, I've got all that I need. I've met my goal. God is our goal, and the only way to approach Him is by grace. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.